your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 596 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. And that song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers have done it again for the second consecutive game with their season on the line. Backs to the wall, looking borderline dead in the water, and they come storming back. It was a game that was eerily similar to Game 5 and how it all unfolded, right down to every goal being scored in the same order. You've got the Penguins taking a 2-0 lead in the first period. The Rangers come storming back in the second period to go up 3-2. The Penguins get a late goal in the second period to once again deadlock it at 2-2. And then the Rangers uh, score the game winner in the third period and add an empty netter to seal the victory. The only difference, this one was even more dramatic because in Game 5, whereas Philip Heedle's game-winning goal came just a couple of minutes into the third period, in this one, Chris Kreider's game-winning goal came with just a minute and 28 seconds remaining in the game and he spared us all the agony of having to watch another overtime playoff game and you know obviously we all went through the roller coaster that was the triple overtime game one loss uh in this case though we are spared overtime and this one would have been even rougher because obviously the Rangers would have had their season on the line and at that point you're in overtime you score you get game seven you don't score and your season is over. None of us needed that, so uh, obviously very, very happy that Kreider was able to uh, get that goal here and finally basically show up in this series. I mean, I realize he's now up to four goals after scoring two in this one. Uh, Mika Zibanejad also had two goals, but those are the two players more than anybody I would think that uh, just have not played up to the level that they're capable of playing for the Rangers so far in this series. I mean, they've gotten their points here and there, but just too many shifts where they're just not engaged, it seems like. And, you know, they've been out there against the Crosby line. I realize Crosby obviously did not play in this game, but they've been up out there against the Crosby line quite a bit in this series, been back on their heels a lot, and just not really able to do a whole lot. And this game didn't really start a whole lot better for the Rangers. There were a couple of instances in the first period, and I can single out the Mika line for sure. You know, they were going in on the rush. I mean, it was kind of like a three-on-three rush. It's not like they had, like, tremendous numbers or, you know, they were guaranteed to have a great A scoring chance here. But, you know, Mika's got the puck, and he basically just fumbles it, lose control. Puck rolls into the corner, so that kind of just nullified a scoring opportunity there. And then, you know, there was another instance in the first period where Artemi Panarin, who himself has not had uh, an outstanding first round playoff series, at least to this point. You know, again, he's gotten his points here and there, but he's just not taking over games the way that we're used to seeing our Timmy Panarin uh, take over games. And I'm almost starting to wondering if maybe he's playing through something. And I'm not trying to make any excuses here, but he's just missing something. You know, that burst just isn't there. Uh, that, you know, elusiveness that when he has the puck, it just isn't there. He barely had the puck in this game at all. Uh, but, you know, there was an instance in the first period where the Rangers uh, they set him up for a pretty good scoring opportunity. I believe it was Fox who was in deep. He was along the goal line, passed in front to Artemi Panarin. Panarin's like on the edge, the inside edge of the left faceoff circle, and he's about to take a shot, and the puck just, you know, slips off of his stick, and the Penguins are going the other way. So uh, a really shaky start to this game. I thought uh, Miller and Truba got off to a really tough start in this game, and really, frankly, they they did not really play their best hockey, and 
you know, overall, I would say Ke'Andre Miller has probably been the Rangers' best defenseman in this series to date, but him and Trubo were both shaky in this game. They were out there for, I think, all of the Penguins' first three goals, and obviously the Penguins took a 2-0 lead in the first period, as we already mentioned. Uh, this first goal was inexcusable because... You know, the Rangers, they were back on their heels a little bit in the first period, but I didn't think it was a complete disaster. I thought for sure the Penguins were outplaying the Rangers in the first period, but the Rangers were kind of bending but not breaking and doing a decent job of keeping all of Pittsburgh's shots, you know, from the perimeter. They weren't really getting a ton of high-danger scoring opportunities in the early goings here, but... That changed, obviously, when they got the puck in deep, the puck's in the crease, you know, it's bouncing around, and the Penguins are whacking away at it, Igor's making a couple of saves. I think Shesterkin ended up making three consecutive saves here until Jeff Carter finally, uh, you know, buried one of the rebounds, and it's unfortunate because, you know, what do you want Igor to do at a certain point? You know, Miller, Truba, they were both there. Like I said, it was not uh, a banner night for either one of those two players, and we'll get into that in greater detail in due time here, but... Everybody's just kind of reaching for the puck. And, and to be fair, you know, Strom was there too. Nobody was taking the body. Nobody was doing anything to make it difficult for the Penguins to basically just set up shop in the Ranger goal crease. I mean, knock somebody off balance. Move them out of there. Everybody just kind of reaching for the puck. That happened a couple of times in this game. So this was not a perfect performance for the Rangers. It was certainly a gutsy performance. But I'm honestly kind of surprised that they were able to basically survive another pretty bad bad start. I mean, let's call it like it is. Uh, those goals they gave up in the first period were not good at all. And on top of that, the two Penguin goals in the first period, of course, we just covered the first one by Carter. The second one by Brian Russ was scored just a minute and 36 seconds after the first goal. So once again, the Rangers not responding well uh, in the immediate aftermath of a goal being scored. This has been a series-long issue for this team. Now, later in the game, to be fair, obviously Mika Zibanejad scored two goals that were scored within uh, one minute and 16 seconds of each other, but you got to have a better response than this. Your season is on the line here. You're up against a hostile environment, a really talented Penguins team, and the Rangers, you know, after giving up that first goal, they get caught back on their heels again, can't get the puck out of their zone. You've got Jake Gensel making a cross-ice pass to Brian Russ. Russ scores, and uh, just like that, the Penguins are up 2 to nothing. but cannot say enough about the resiliency from this New York Ranger team to kind of find its game in the second period, obviously come storming back, and then, uh, you know, delivering in crunch time. Because, like I was saying, Mika Zabaja and Chris Kreider, the two guys that, you know, up to date in this uh, series are the two guys that have, frankly, probably been the biggest disappointments for the New York Rangers. And they came through in a big way. Mika Zibanejad with two goals and two assists, Chris Kreider with two goals, and Adam Fox, by the way, with four assists. I don't know that he's been his best for a lot of this series either, but obviously uh, picking it up last night, I think it really helps him that Ryan Lindgren is back in the lineup and dishing out four helpers uh, to help the Rangers get this victory in game six and force it back to Madison Square Garden. I will say, though, even though the first period was far from ideal, I didn't think it was quite as bad as what we saw in game five from the Rangers. You know, they got a couple of scoring chances, and... One thing that really impressed me was early in the game, it was still scoreless at this point, but you had a situation where the Rangers were really boxed into their zone, could not get the puck free. Uh, they bent but didn't break, and like I talked about earlier, kept most of Pittsburgh's shots from the perimeter. But there was a situation here where the Mika line, so obviously that's Mika, Kreider, Vetrano, and also Schneider and Braun, they were out there on the ice for two and a half straight minutes. And there was an icing in the middle of all that, and obviously you ice the puck, you can't change your players. They have to stay out there. And those five players, again, Mika, Kreider, Vetrano, Schneider, Braun, they all really hung tough, uh, did a nice job preventing the Penguins from getting any grade-A scoring opportunities, despite probably being dog-tired at that point. Again, two and a half straight minutes on the ice. Eventually, they worked the puck out, got off the ice, got a line change, much-needed line change, and uh, kept the game scoreless up to that point. 
The other thing that was one of the biggest highlights for the first period for the Rangers is once again, they dug deep when they were down five on three. This is the second straight game where the Penguins got a five on three advantage and were not able to score. In game five, you know, right at the start of that game, 24 seconds into the game, I believe it was. I know it was less than a minute. Uh, the Penguins were uh, given a five on three advantage. There were two simultaneous penalties called on the Rangers. Uh, Truba and Kreider both went off and the Rangers killed off a two minute five on three. In this one, it wasn't the full two minutes, but the Penguins ended up with a five on three for a minute and seven seconds and just a great job by the Ranger penalty killers. You had Andrew Kopp, you know, he blocked a shot, helped the Rangers get a clear. Anytime you can get a clear when it's five on three, that is absolutely enormous. You can go and uh, obviously get a line change, get some fresh guys on the ice. It's very, very easy when it's five on three to really get caught on the ice and just not even be able to get anywhere near the puck. I mean, they've they've really got you by the you-know-what when it's five on three. Uh, but a great play by Andrew Kopp there, like we said, clearing it down the ice. And then Ryan Lindgren, who not too long before this, uh, he went down to the ice, looked like he was hurt, and then got hit in the head. Uh, Zucker hit him in the head going by. It certainly seemed to be inadvertent, but uh, Lindgren obviously suffering a blow to the head. And was right back on the ice. I don't think he even missed a shift. And in this situation here, once again, five on three, you got Lindgren working his way over to a loose puck, skates it out of the zone, falls down in the neutral zone, clears it down the ice. Tyler Mott was out there for a good chunk of this penalty kill as well. It's big to have him back in the lineup. Uh, you know, Mott, you know, we talked about his importance and what he brings to the table for this New York Ranger team. And he only ended up with nine minutes and 32 seconds of ice time. 2-11 of that, however, was on the penalty kill. And he was a big part of the Rangers once again winning the special teams battle. Rangers go two for three on the power play. The Penguins go 0 for three, including not being able to score on this five on three here. And Tyler Mott had a huge hand in that. Could not be happier to welcome him back into the fold and just let him go out there and do what he does for this New York Ranger team. And in fact, he was on the ice with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider when Kreider scored the game-winning goal. And we're going to go ahead and break down that goal in just a second, talk about a whole bunch of other stuff as well. We are just getting started here on Locked On New York Rangers. Just a tremendous win for the New York Rangers. Cannot wait to see what happens uh, on Sunday night, Game 7 in Madison Square Garden. We're going to get to all that good stuff in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline. Net. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So like I was saying, rough first period for the Rangers, down 2 to nothing, going into the first intermission, but I didn't think it was all doom and gloom. Uh, there were a couple of uh, scoring chances for the Rangers as well that, you know, a couple inches this way, a couple inches that way, very easily could have been goals. We had Frank Vetrano getting behind the defense, ringing a shot off the crossbar. I mean, he beat Domingue clean on this one. And right after this, uh, Ryan Strom had the puck on the doorstep, just kind of lost control in the crease. It looked like he had a chance to maybe, uh, you know, stuff it around the side of Louis Domingue and into the net. Wasn't uh, meant to be there. But, uh, you know, I didn't think the Rangers were dead in the water at this point. I thought there was at least a chance that they could work their way back into this game. But I also don't want to go a second longer on here without talking about the game-winning goal for Chris Kreider. Obviously, just a wild play here. And it was interesting because, as I mentioned a second ago, Tyler Mott was on the ice 
with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. And I'm not sure if this was the case of a partial line change or maybe Gallant just saw something, wanted to shake things up a little bit, wanted to give Mott a chance, uh, you know, a shift with Mika and with Kreider. Uh, but basically what happened, you've got Tyler Mott going in on the forecheck. The puck is behind the Penguin net. He puts a big hit on his guy. The Penguins do work the puck out of the zone, but Adam Fox gets control of it uh, right around the red line, and he passes right back up ahead to Mika Zibanejad. Mika gains the blue line, makes a pass to his left to Chris Kreider. Kreider takes a shot from the left point, and somehow, way, the puck ends up in the back of the net once again with just 128 remaining in the game, and that gives the Rangers a 4-3 lead. And, you know, watching this replay, you know, Mika Zibanejad was in front. After he passed to Kreider, he went right to the net. He had a defender on him. I'm not sure if maybe Deming was screened a little bit. It looked also like maybe the puck either deflected off of Mika or off of the Penguins defenseman, but it keeps going toward the net. Louis Domingue gets his glove on it. It pops straight into the air. All of us, I'm sure, are holding our breaths at the exact same time here. Lands behind Domingue, takes a bounce, rolls into the net. And Jeff Carter got there, had a little bit of a chance to maybe keep the puck out of the net, but he wasn't able to do it. Uh, not an easy play. Obviously, the puck you know, it went sky high after it bounced off of Domingue's glove here. And I think Carter's only chance was to bat it out of the air, which is obviously doable, but he was not able to do it. And the puck, once again, finds its way into the net. Rangers have the lead with just 128 remaining. And obviously, the Penguins pulled Deming very shortly after this. There's a play stoppage. There's a face-off in the neutral zone, you know, just outside the Ranger blue line. The Penguins uh, get the puck back deep in the Ranger zone, and Deming once again heads to the bench at that point. They briefly, uh, with that face-off forthcoming in the neutral zone, put Deming back into the net. But they pull him again. Uh, the Penguins dump it in. Adam Fox, a great job in the corner. You know, obviously there's guys coming in hard on the forecheck. Uh, he lifts the puck out of the zone. Uh, not hard enough that it was going to be an icing, but certainly put enough sauce on it to get it out of harm's way and, uh, you know, very far away from the Ranger net. And at that point, the race is on for the loose puck. You get Kevin Rooney moving uh, up the boards there on the right side. He gets to the puck. He sends a backhand pass across the ice around a defender to Andrew Kopp. And as soon as this pass was completed, it was game over because there was nobody in front of Kopp. Kopp buries it into the empty net with 28 seconds to go. And just like that, the Rangers uh, heading back to Madison Square Garden for game seven. And against all odds, once again, the Rangers stare elimination in the face, trailing by two goals in the second period for the second straight game, games five and game six. Both games, the Rangers down by two goals, looking like, you know, they're borderline dead in the water like I was talking about. They come storming back, and they win both of these games by a final score of 5-3. to three. Just absolutely wild stuff. And again, cannot say enough about the job by Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider finally coming through in crunch time for this New York Ranger team in this playoff series. And hopefully they pick up right where they left off in Game 7 because... You know, now that these two guys have it going a little bit, I really like the Rangers' chances in Game 7. There are no guarantees, and something that the Rangers really need to guard against and something they need to be very aware of. They are a very young team, and they've proven here in Games 5 and 6 that they are wise beyond their years. Again, you know, facing elimination, down by two goals, coming back to win both of these games. But something that they absolutely must be careful of is you can't make the mistake of thinking that like, oh, well, we're home for game seven. You know, this we're, we're going to cruise to a win here. No, this game is going to be just as difficult as the two preceding games. I'm hoping that they don't have to once again crawl out of a two to nothing deficit in order to win game seven. But you got to understand, you know, Crosby or no Crosby in game seven, obviously that's going to make a huge difference as well. I've not seen one way or another if he's been ruled out or if they're, you know, looking for him to play or whatever's going to happen there. But 
The Penguins, they now have their backs against the wall, just like the Rangers have had their backs against the wall in Games 5 and Game 6. It's desperation time for both teams, and so the Rangers, they have to be smart here. They cannot make the mistake of thinking that, you know, again, that they can just kind of cruise to a win in Game 7. Uh, I expect them to play very, very well. I have a very good feeling about that game, just like I did about this game, uh, but obviously the Rangers have to keep the pedal to the metal, and like I said in the preview episode for Game 6, wouldn't it be nice if the Rangers could just go out there and win like 5 to nothing or 6 to 1 or something like that? We don't have to sweat it out and lose our freaking minds, you know, in the last few minutes of regulation or God forbid overtime in game seven. So, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, the Rangers have put themselves in a good spot here going back to Madison Square Garden for game seven place is going to be rocking. You've got 18,000 people that have their backs instead of 18,000 people that are against them. You know, obviously in Pittsburgh, you get those uh, those mocking Igor chants, which, you know, I don't know. You, you could say one way or another whether that affected Igor in games three and game four, but you can't say that it affected him in this game. The only goals that Igor gave up in this game, the first two were basically indefensible. He made a couple of saves before Carter finally got the puck by him, and it was a bad job by the Ranger defense not moving those guys out of there. The goal by Brian Rust, I mean, it was a perfect pass from Gensel. There was no way for Igor to move that quickly across his crease to keep the puck out. And then the only other goal, and I might as well talk about this right here right now, was scored by Evgeny Malkin unassisted late in the second period. That tied the game at 3-3, three to three. and a bad play by Jacob Truba. He's trying to make the pass across the blue line to Ke'Andre Miller. Malkin read the play. He jumped it. He knocked the puck away, and he's behind the defense, and he goes in, and he scores. And I think Ke'Andre Miller in this situation, because, I mean, it wasn't Miller's fault that the breakaway happened, but I think Miller at this point probably should have tried to hook Malkin or trip him or something. I mean, I realize that could result in a penalty shot, and, I mean in all likelihood, would result in a penalty. But I think you're better off, you know, just just hook him, drag him to the ice if you have to. If you have to take the penalty, take the penalty. Um, you're going to be shorthanded, but obviously it negates the breakaway opportunity if you're able to, you know, hook him down or whatever it might be in that situation. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. Malkin scored on the breakaway, tied at three going into the third period. But that was just setting the stage for the Ranger heroics that occurred as uh, Chris Kreider once again got the game winner late in the third period. But yeah, like I was talking about, I didn't think this was a banner night for Ke'Andre Miller or Jacob Truba. They both had one play in the third period that, like, I, I just don't know what happened. There was one instance, and the game was still tied at this point. Third period, uh, the Penguins, you know, they gained the blue line. Ke'Andre Miller just took a terrible angle. The guy had the puck along the boards, and I don't know what Miller was doing. He almost, like, swooped around behind him and tried to approach him from behind instead of, you know, just cutting over there and getting in his way, getting in his path to the net. Uh, I don't remember which Penguin it was, but he ended up getting, you know, a decent chance. Igor made the save. And then there was another play where the Rangers, they actually won a faceoff, which was not happening very often in this game. And, you know, Truba's trying to lift the puck out of the zone, so I get it to an extent, but takes a completely unnecessary icing, and it's right back in the Ranger uh, zone. And obviously that was not ideal, but the Rangers once again were able to work it out of their zone in the ensuing faceoff, which is a good thing for Jacob Trua because that icing was completely unnecessary. And while we're on the subject of icing, why were the Penguins being given like 45 seconds after every single shift that followed them icing the puck? Every single time the Penguins took an icing, you know, somebody's got to go get a new stick or somebody's, you know, arguing with the referee about, I was already on the bench, I'm not supposed to be on the ice right now. Or, you know, it's Jeff Carter taking, you know, half an hour getting into the face-off circle, drop the puck. And I'm not saying 
this just in relation to this game last night. I'm saying this like if a team is going to continually do this and use all these stall tactics after they ice the puck and, you know, the Rangers, they want the puck dropped and Mika's there and he's ready to take the face off and Jeff Carter's taking forever. Drop the puck. There's got to be some kind of a time limit. If the guy, if the center on the Penguins or, again, any other team in hockey in this situation does not want to get into the faceoff circle, does not want to get in position for the faceoff, at a certain point, the linesman should just drop the puck. You don't want to be there? Fine. Puck's dropped. The puck's in play. Away we go. And I don't know. Maybe that's kind of a rule that the NHL could institute at some point because the, the stall tactics by the Penguins were out of control after the icing. And it was driving me crazy, especially in the third period. It's a tie game. You know, the Rangers have to win this game to keep their season alive. And they're getting away with, you know, all this nonsense about doing all these different things to prevent the linesmen from dropping the puck and letting all their guys on the ice catch their collective breaths. So... I don't know. It's a rule that I think that the NHL should look at. they got to find a way to speed this up and not allow teams to delay after an icing. But that's a different conversation for a different day. We're going to continue breaking this one down in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That is what it is like to eat a birthday cake puff from Bilt. I just received my birthday cake puffs, and I have never had anything like this before. They're available right now, and we can't promise that they will be there tomorrow. So go get them today at Bilt.com. With 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, and only 9 grams of sugar, this limited-time flavor is an amazing option if you are looking for a healthy way to get flavor and variety in your day. All Bilt Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. And they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Go to Built.com to get birthday cake puffs right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKS15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, so we're going to go ahead and talk about some of these other Ranger goals in just a second. A couple other things that happen in this game as well. But the first thing I got to get to here, and I, I can't believe I took this long to mention this because it was a pretty funny moment on the bench. But, you know, Mika, there was a situation where the Rangers, this is when they were down five on three, and Mika was in the penalty box. And he ended up with a breakaway because right as the Rangers cleared the puck, Mika was getting out of the box. He went in one-on-one -on -one with Louis Domingue. He already had two goals to this point, so he was on the verge of a natural hat trick. The game was tied 2-2 uh, right at this spot in the game. And he goes in, goes to the backhand, puts it off the post, so the score remains tied at 2-2. But back on the bench... Uh, Mika, you know, he, he looked at the tablet and wanted to watch the replay. And I guess, you know, if you listen to Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad in the postgame presser, Mika was kind of second-guessing himself, second-guessing the move that he made. And Chris Kreider just didn't want to hear it. So he grabbed the tab and just kind of threw it. And, you know, was talking to Mika on the bench. And after the game was over, you know, they, they kind of laughed about it a little bit. But uh, Kreider said, you know, he didn't want to hear that from Mika. He didn't want to hear him second-guessing himself. And I can see why, because Mika obviously had already scored two goals in that game period to that point. And on top of that, you know, you don't want something like that to get in your head. You want to just kind of move on to the next thing. So uh, Kreider was having none of it. And I got to say, you know, this play obviously, or not play, but this moment on the bench uh, kind of made its rounds on Twitter, but it was kind of sharing it. And I can't find the tweet now, so I don't know who sent it. But somebody, you know, posted that video of Kreider uh, throwing the pad, the, the tablet or whatever it is. And the caption that this user uh, put to accompany the video is one of the funniest things that I've ever read. And to completely, uh, you know, understand this joke, I, I think a lot of people are aware of this, but Mika Zibanejad is a part-time DJ. And so the caption that this Twitter user 
you know, use on this video to accompany this video was Kreider saying, Mika, I don't have time to listen to your mixtape, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. And it kind of, you know, gives me an idea. I think next season, because Ranger Twitter can be, at time it can be a little mean, but at time it can be downright hilarious. I'm going to keep track of the funniest things that Ranger fans, uh, you know, say on Twitter. I'm just going to put them all into a different Word document. And when next season ends, I'm just going to have an episode where I do nothing but read the funniest tweets of the season because I thought that was just absolutely fantastic. But Mika Zibanejad, like we were talking about, stepped up in a big way for the Rangers here. They're scuffling in the first period. Got a couple of scoring chances, but obviously you're down two to nothing and you, know, you got to get back into this game. You got to get the next goal down two nothing. And Mika Zibanejad made sure that the Rangers did exactly that. They got a chance on a power play. And I should actually back up for a second because uh, what started this uh, whole chain of events here, Ryan Lindgren delivers a hit in the corner. Ryan Lindgren continues to impact this series. He delivered a hit on Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez retaliated, basically just attacked Lindgren. He goes to the penalty box. You've got players on the Penguins, you know, jawing at the Ranger bench and yelling at them. And if I'm the Penguins, I'm thinking, hey, man, why not let a sleeping dog lay? I mean, the, the Rangers were not at their best in the first period, and this seemed to kind of wake them up a little bit. Plus, you got a power play coming. And so the Rangers obviously took advantage on, uh, you know, the five-on-four power play that they got here. And in fact, it only took them five seconds to do so. The Rangers, and more specifically, Mika Zibanejad, finally win a faceoff. Witchcraft, I know, right? But Mika wins it clean back to Adam Fox. The faceoff was on the right circle. Fox has it at the right point. Fox, you know, he kind of draws the defender toward him, then passes along the boards to Ryan Strom. Strom immediately dishes uh, to the center of the ice to Mika Zibanejad. Mika winds back and just absolutely tattoos the slap shot into the twine. Two to one at that point. Rangers back into the game. You guys know, anybody that's listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you guys know I am big on face-off wins, especially when it comes to the playoffs. And we have seen multiple instances in this series of the Penguins, more so than the Rangers, scoring goals right off of a face-off win. But the Rangers down 2 to nothing here absolutely have to convert on this power play, and they do it specifically as the result of an offensive zone face-off win. And again, it was a rough night on the dot for the Rangers overall. They won just 42% of the draws. But Mika Zibanejad with a big win right here. And, uh, you know, obviously set this whole play up. It certainly looked like a design play where the Rangers knew that that's what they were going to look to do, uh, you know, if they won that face-off clean, which is what they did. Interestingly, the only player on the Rangers who won more than half of his face-offs last night you're not going to believe this. It was Philip Hedel, won 63% of his draws. Everybody else was at 50% or less. Uh, Rooney won half of his draws. Everybody else was under uh, the 50% threshold. Uh, but obviously, a huge faceoff win there. Got the Rangers back into the game. And then, as we talked about, you know, the Rangers in the first period gave up a goal in the shift that followed a goal. But in this case, they actually came back with a goal of their own to tie the game at 2-2. Two two. Mika Zibanejad scoring just a minute and 16 seconds after his first goal. You've got Mika behind the Penguins net. He's got the puck. He passes up the boards. You know, Lindgren pinches in a little bit, sends it right back around the boards the way it came from, back behind the Penguin net. And at that point, comes around the other side. Adam Fox with an outstanding play here. It's hard to even describe exactly what he did, but it looked like this was going to be a 50-50 puck. And the way that Fox kind of positioned his body and just kind of faked out the Penguin defender there, uh, he ended up coming away with this puck clean. He didn't even have to fight for it. So Fox has the puck along the boards on the right side, kind of circles back up toward the blue line, uh, starts moving toward the center of the ice, then makes a short pass to his left over to Mika Zibanejad. By this point, Mika's moved back to the blue line area, and he winds back to Mika Zibanejad and once again just blasts a slap shot. When you've got a shot like that, let it freaking fly. That was just awesome to see uh, Mika do that, and obviously he scores. The Rangers tie the game at two. Again, just a minute and 16 seconds after Mika cut the Penguin lead to 2-1. Two to one. It is now 2-2. Two
And we've talked about pretty much every Ranger goal in this episode, you know, kind of jumping from one thing to the next here. But we might as well go ahead and talk about the goal by Chris Kreider on the power play that gave the Rangers a lead at 3-2. And this whole thing was set up. Uh, Frank Vitrano drawing a penalty against the Penguins. Vitrano was in front of the Pittsburgh net. Mike Matheson just whacks him in the face with his stick. He is called for a double minor, and uh, the Rangers have four minutes of power play time. And you always want to score on the power play, I mean, especially in the playoffs, and especially in a tie game with your season on the line. Allow me to state the obvious there. But you really, really want to make a team pay when they take a stupid, unnecessary, uh, borderline vicious penalty like the one that Mike Matheson took here. And Igor Shesterkin saw to it that the Rangers did. Uh, the Penguins, and keep in mind it's the second period, so you've got uh, the long change, obviously. And the Penguins, I believe it was Zucker, cleared the puck down the ice, and they go off for a change, and they've got you know a long way to go to their bench. Igor Shesterkin comes way out of his net to the right side, gets to the puck, and flings it up the ice. And Wayne Gretzky never made a better pass than this one. He put it right on the tape for Mika Zibanejad, led Mika into the Penguins' zone. He's behind the defense, caught the Penguins in a line change here. Goes in, takes a shot from point-blank range. Louis Domingue gets his glove on it. It was a nice save by Domingue, but it goes right to Chris Kreider. Kreider buries it from the doorstep. And Kreider did a great job here because, you know, he was kind of engaged with a Penguins defenseman, and he had to kind of spin off of him, you know, turn to his right, and then somehow find the puck at his feet and was able to do so and put it into the empty net. So a great job by Chris Kreider being alert there, quickly finding the puck and knocking it into the net before, you know, Domingue can recover, before any of the other Penguins can get on top of him. Uh, great job by Kreider there coming through in the clutch. And like we said, big-time stuff that Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad both stepped up when the Rangers needed them the most in this game. And I figure we can go ahead and talk about some things that I think are going to be key uh, to a Game 7 win for the New York Rangers. And we already talked about one of them, that being that the Rangers can't make the mistake of thinking that, you know, they're in complete control here and they're on easy street. It's fine to be confident, and they should be confident. They should be feeling really, really good about themselves, uh, especially after the way that they've won Games 5 and 6. But you got to hit the ground running, and that kind of leads me into my first key to this game. The Rangers need a fast start. They haven't had a lot of them uh, in this series. Games 1 and 2, you know, they took early leads, fairly early leads in those games. Uh, but for the most part, the Rangers hasn't really been their strength in this series, you know, really hitting the ground running in the first period. It certainly has not been their strength in Games 5 or 6. So Game 7, you're at home. You're in Madison Square Garden. That place is going to be absolutely electric. They are going to be rocking right from the opening faceoff. So if the Rangers can't feed off of them and get an early jump on the Penguins here, then I think something's wrong. They need that fast start. They need to hit the ground running and hopefully play with a lead. I mean, wouldn't that be nice to see the Rangers not have to come from behind to win one of these games? Uh, something else, no more reaching for the puck, especially when the puck is, you know, loose in your crease and it's a wild scramble and Igor's standing on his head trying to keep the puck out. Take the body, knock somebody around a little bit, knock them down to the ice. We've seen the Rangers do that at times in this series, but at other times, way too much puck watching, way too much just kind of reaching for the puck, poking at it with your stick, take the body, make them feel uncomfortable, knock them around a little bit tough to score when you're being not completely off balance. And I want to see uh, specifically K. Andre Miller and Jacob Truba get back to that because they're both uh, big, physical, tough defensemen. There's no reason why they shouldn't be knocking around uh, the Pittsburgh forwards whenever they get the puck, you know, in deep in the Ranger crease. Uh, another thing, continue to win the special teams battle. We knew it was going to be absolutely huge coming into this series. Both teams have good power plays. Both teams have good penalty kills. Uh, but the Rangers have won the special teams battles in each of these two preceding games. In games five and six combined, the Rangers have gone three for six on the power play. The Penguins have gone 0 for six, and including uh, two five-on-threes for the Penguins in which they did not score. So you got to continue to win the special teams battle. And again, forgive me for stating what's 
probably pretty obvious to a lot of you. The Rangers have to go with the exact same lineup in Game 7 that they use in Game 6. Tyler Mott is back now. I'm sure he'll be uh, out there for Game 7. Uh, those exact 20 players are the guys that should be on the ice, the, the 20 players that we saw in Game 6, and I believe they will be. I don't think there's any chance the Rangers would make any kind of a move. I mean, Ryan Lindgren looks no worse for the wear. I, I don't think he's, I mean, I'm not a doctor, and I don't even know what his exact injury is, but he doesn't seem to be in any risk of, you know, getting injured again. So, and honestly, the way Patrick Nemeth has played in this series, if anything happened to Ryan Lindgren, he did get injured in Game 7. I'm not convinced that the Rangers wouldn't be better off just going with five defensemen from that point on anyway. Uh, or you could maybe go with Libor Hayek or Zach Jones, but at this point, that's just not going to happen. So, to me, yes, obviously got to roll with the same 20 players that dressed up for Game 6. Something else, I just want to throw this out here before we call it a day. I want to see Ryan Reeves just absolutely crushing players on the Penguins. I don't want anything illegal. I don't want anything dirty. I don't want anybody to get injured. But I want Ryan Reeves to be the wrecking ball that he was in games one and two. You know, there's times in this series where he's been physical and, you know, we've seen him pop up every now and then. Uh, his ice time was obviously very much limited in games three and four because the Rangers were down by so many goals in that game. So obviously you're not going to give Reeves a ton of ice time when you're chasing goals. Um, and he only got six minutes and 25 seconds in game six last night. But I want to see, you know, whenever he's out there, I want to see him just just wrecking people and just setting a tone, getting that crowd rocking uh, from the early goings. And just one other point that I want to make before we uh, end it here is the Rangers, you know, they've come back in this series, games five and six, down three to one to force game seven. They're dead even with this Pittsburgh Penguins team. The Rangers are almost doing this in spite of themselves because as we've talked about on here, a lot of the Rangers' best players have not played like the superstars that we all know them to be. Artemi Panarin has not been at his absolute best. Uh, Kreider and Mika came through Big-time clutch in Game 6. Cannot say enough about the job that they did in the second period onward last night in Game 6 to force us to a Game 7. But let's be honest, those two have not been at their best in this series either. Adam Fox, again, he came up huge last night, played good defensively, and had the four helpers. Uh, but he has not been at his best in this series. Igor Shosturkin, there have been times where, obviously, he's been hung out to dry. But let's be real here. Igor Shosturkin is the slam dunk Vesna winner, and he's one of the three finalists for the Hart Trophy. He didn't always play like it in this series. And so, you know, you just hope that all those guys round back into form. They get it done when it really counts the most in Game 7. I want to see an Igor Shosturkin performance that we saw all season where he's just not going to let that puck get by him. And I think he's got it in him. And I think, again, being at home for Game 7 going to be huge for this New York Ranger team. But it's time for the superstar players on the New York Rangers to start playing like superstars. And we, we've seen glimpses of it, but I want to see it for 60 minutes, and I want to see the Rangers just crush this team in Game 7 in Madison Square Garden. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be talking about what else, whatever happens between the Rangers and Penguins in Game 7. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.